Welcome to another episode of Making Magic with your host, Bradley Morris from Magic Media. This is the go-to show for purpose-driven creators to get inspired with innovative new ideas to produce your educational content, build thriving online communities, and turn your message into a movement. Hello, dearly beloved. Welcome to uh, welcome to this special guest workshop with Mark Silver. Now, today we're going to be diving into a topic that I've experimented with, uh, m- mostly not successfully. So I'm excited to hear what he has to say uh, and tell some stories around the pay from the heart pricing model when it comes to doing courses, doing events, etc. How do you set that up? technically and structurally, how do you actually communicate to people that this is a pay from the heart thing, which is a non-traditional way of doing business with folks. And I know Mark has a lot of experience in this. I'm sure those of you on my email list that follow Tad's work, know Hargrave from Marketing for Hippies also has a similar model for a lot of the workshops that he tours around the world. And so this is going to be a great conversation. Now, before I pass it to Mark, I just want to Read the bio so that you understand the man behind the curtain today who's going to be sharing all this magic with us. So since 1999, Mark Silver has worked with heart-centered entrepreneurs to help them realize that every act of business can be an act of love. Mark is one of the pioneers in integrating real spirituality with nitty-gritty of the small business. He founded Heart of Business in 2001, a designated master teacher within the Sufi lineage, and has received his Master's of Divinity. As a coach, teacher, and spiritual healer, he has facilitated thousands of individual sessions with entrepreneurs and has led hundreds of classes, seminars, groups, and retreats. His weekly writings and teachings are followed by thousands of people around the globe, and he's a fourth-generation entrepreneur prior to Heart of Business. Mark ran a distribution business, turned around a struggling nonprofit magazine, and worked as a paramedic in San Francisco Bay Area. This man has been very busy in this career. (laughs) And uh, he also has a special gift for everybody, heart-centered business, um, which you'll be able to download. I'm going to share the link in the chat and wherever the show notes exist so you can go read his new book. So Mark, thanks for taking some time to come share this workshop. I'm really excited to dig into this and I'm going to pass it over to you. Um, and I know there might be parts of this that'll be conversational and people, as you're coming in, if you have questions, share them in the chat. I will stockpile all the questions for a moment that they're, we're ready to ask. Absolutely. Thank you, Bradley. I'm so happy to, to be here. This is a, a bit of a passion of mine. And I, I just want to start by saying that um, our, our longest running course, The Heart of Money and Power, that I've been teaching in one version or another since 2002. And um, uh, in 2014, it had always been, consi- it always sold pretty consistently. People, it's a, it's a topic that people really wanted. And, um, and then it was 2014, in 2014, two, about 10 years ago, <laughs> crazy. Um, Heart of Money was not enrolling. And um, it was partly heart guidance and partly desperation that I tried the very first version of pay from the heart. Cause I was like, what's going on? Why isn't people, why aren't you guys signing up? And people were like, I don't, it was just a, people were in financial situation, difficulty more than usual, what I was used to. And, um, and we enrolled, uh, like 800 people. <laughs> Whoa. I, was, I was like, wow. And, um, 
and it worked really well for us. And we've never hit that high tide mark again with that. There was a lot of pent up desire, I guess. But what I want to do with this class, with teaching this, is I want to talk about the big picture. Um, I want to talk about uh, situations that it might work in and what situations it might not work in. Pay from the heart is not for everything in every situation. Um, and then there's kind of two pieces. It's like I, there's there's the parts that you need in your own heart to make it work. Um, and then there's the mechanics. And then I want to, of course, leave time for questions and, and, and engagement because um, it's not that complicated, but there's enough to it that we want to really bring our hearts to it you know, that we, we want to comprehend what's involved. So the big picture, I had originally taken a very strong stand against sliding scale. Um, and I had very specific reasons for that. A lot of times like when I saw people doing sliding scale, what they were doing was taking, they, they, there was a genuine desire to help people, but there was also, um, all their all the money stuff, all the things that people wrestled with about like, should I, what should I price? How should I price? Instead of wrestling with that in themselves and coming to some peace with it and some clarity, they were unloading all of that onto their clients by just saying, you decide. And what I was seeing is that people, what a lot of people have experienced is people either race to the bottom in terms of what to pay or they get so overwhelmed, they don't buy at all, which is, I think is an un notice dynamic in sliding scale. It's uh, uh, people want to give more, they don't know how to decide, and the overwhelm leads them to walk away from it. But as you mentioned, Bradley, um, our friend and colleague Tad had been doing it successfully, and he made me kind of rethink uh, and look more deeply into that. So... In this economy, I I want to really honor all of us who want a healthier economy. The way that our economy is set up is just messed up. You know, if we have issues with pricing or issues with money or issues with business, they're really legitimate because there are a lot of really horrible ways that business has been done. Um, and uh, it's been really toxic for a lot of people. And we want to help each other. We we don't, like, I, I think a lot of us, especially when we're in business and we feel like our gifts are present in what we do. We don't want money to be the gatekeeper. We don't want to say, well, you get it because you have money and you don't get it. You know, I can't work with you because you don't. And I, and yet the other side of that is that the people that, um, that want to help are all, you know, that are most motivated to help are usually those who have been most harmed. You know, they've been in a one down position. They don't necessarily have a lot of resources. And those are the very people that our economy often wants to have them give free labor. <laughs> you know, women, people of color. It's like people, it's like, yeah, you do more work for less and, uh, and other people will collect the money. And so I've always been a big advocate that you don't try to make up for systemic injustices on your own. 
it needs to be a collective effort. I don't want to see people harming themselves. Of course, we're going to help people. Of course, we're going to reach out. Of course, we're going to be as generous as we can, but we don't want to do that to the point of harm. And so the pay from the heart approach, I think, is one way to try to get our arms around this. So that's some of the background and some of my thinking and philosophy behind it. Um, so one of the things that I think underlies all of this is that compassion is one of the most normal things that we as human beings carry, that people naturally want to give and want to help, and that we feel really enlivened when we do help. I find that um, when I talk to clients, that especially in the pay from the heart um, context, they want to pay more. <laughs> they want to pay more, like people want to give more. And sometimes people pay, pay more than is healthy for them. And so I just, I just want to say that, you know, getting into the points that our heart needs to make pay from the heart work is that we need to really embrace what it is that I just said. Like we need to trust our clients. We need to trust that as much as we want them to succeed, they want us to succeed, that, that there's genuine care and that people aren't trying to take advantage. There's always going to be a couple of people that are entangled in their own stuff and take advantage. But by and large, the majority of people, we can trust them and they can trust us. We're asking them to trust us to deliver the goods we can trust them to care for us if we're clear. Because the other thing that our heart needs is we need to be willing to charge money. <laughs> we need to be willing to charge money for our goods and services. Now, that might seem to be a, a strange thing to say in a business context. But again, what I was saying in the beginning is that so many people get hung up about this. Like, is it okay to charge for this? Is it okay to... Um, you know, set a price? Do we know how, you know, how much we actually need? And then now that we've set a price, are we willing to accept money? If somebody hands us money, are we willing to say, yes, thank you? It, it's a funny thing, but I don't think a lot of business owners spend time thinking about that when a client comes to us and they need our help, that they're being vulnerable. And we're asking them to be vulnerable and open and to receive from us. Are we willing to be equally vulnerable and receive from them? There's a, this is a place of humility. I think charging a price at all is a place of humility, not at a place of, inf of inflating ourselves. So I just, I kind of just want to take a little bit of space for these to just kind of like to, to land and let yourself just ask yourself, and not that, you, not that you're, it's going to necessarily change in a moment, but just ask yourself and look in your heart and say, how much do I trust my clients to, that, I, that they want to care for me as much as I want to care for them? And how much am I willing to make my needs known, to charge money? 
And how willing am I to be vulnerable and to accept what is offered to me when somebody does want to pay? I'm just noticing how your heart reacts to those questions. Being kind with yourself. So, so I want to explain a little bit why the sliding scale doesn't work. Like if we can trust our clients and if people want to give and if we're willing to receive, why doesn't the sliding scale work? Why do you need something like pay from the heart that has additional components involved? that I'm going to explain in just a few minutes. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I've i worked with a lot of spiritually oriented folks. I've, you know, I, I remember having some very deep conversations with um, uh, a former client that had a Buddhist retreat center. And we were talking about um, uh, the Buddhist practice of, um, of dana you know, of like giving from the heart. And they were, you know, these were Western practitioners. Um, and they were explaining like how challenging it was that the Donna was like the teachings that all said like the Donna will sustain us and the Donna wasn't sustaining us, you know, that's, and um, that, that the, the free, uh, the free will offering that is asked for just wasn't sustained. And my, what I said to them, because after I looked into it and thought about it and kind of like researched what was going on, my take on it is that the components that I'm going to present to you in Pay from the Heart were present culturally in Donna. And when you take something out of a cultural context, then there's all these pieces missing. So for instance, in the Buddhist context, in the original cultures where it was practiced successfully, People knew what the monks needed. You know, the monks, you know, took care of the the um, the temple, and they spent a lot of time in spiritual practice and caring for the spiritual needs of the village and and caring for people. And people knew what the monks needed in order to live. Like they, there was an, there was a cultural understanding of what was that of what was there. And so people would come and leave, you know, a bushel of grain or chickens or you know, like substantial amounts of food. They were really caring to make sure that the monks could live as well as they could, knowing that they were all part of the same um, community, the same network. In our culture, we don't have that teaching. Nobody's showed us that. The nearest example that most people have is like a tip jar at a coffee shop, you know, and people drop a dollar in or something. It's like, it's not... There's no understanding like, oh, people are supposed to sustain themselves over off of what goes into this jar. And so I and so in talking with my clients, it's like, oh, there's there's it's not been the fullness of the of the um, of the tradition was not being communicated. It was only the only part of the tradition was free will offering, not all of these understandings that were unspoken but understood. So. I'm going to bring in those other contexts <laughs> for us to explain. Um, one more thing I want to say. I don't mean to keep 
dragging you on. We haven't been at this for very long. It's only been a little less than 20 minutes, so we're getting there. Um, there, because it does take some space to explain the elements of pay from the heart, if you don't have that space in your sales process, then it won't work because it does need some context. You can't just say price eh, and, you know, you, you have to be able to explain some of these pieces. And I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you an example of my sales page and also the checkout page that we use for our most successful pay from the heart offer. But um, the other thing, the other place where it can't work um, is that sometimes you know, the, the reflection, the questions I had before, we need to be clear in ourselves. And I don't want anyone to feel like they need to be enlightened for their business to work. And so there may be a period that you go through as I went through. Oh, we, did, we didn't start pay from the heart till after I was in business for years after I discovered it. And there may be a period you need to go through where you just need to strengthen and get used to your to get used to just charging a price. Just being able to say, you know what, I'm willing to charge this price and I'm willing to accept this price and get comfortable with that. Sometimes we need to build up a strength in ourselves before we can then move to something like pay from the heart where we're helping someone from a place of strength and trust, not from a place of collapse. I really don't want you harming yourself. And I'm actually, we actually had to do a correction of our pay from the heart, um, not because the components were out of place, but because we, well, I'll explain what we had to, uh, I'll take a few minutes to explain after I explain the components. So let me, there's um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different components to this. So the components of pay from the heart, the first part is that you need to assure people that you really mean it, <laughs> that you really mean it, and that you have empathy for the for them having struggle around how much to pay. It doesn't have to take a lot of space, but you just want to like assure them that you really are serious about this and that you're caring for yourself and that they don't have to feel like they're in struggle to take care of you, like there's some clarity there. You, the second element is that you need to know what is a sustainable price for you? Like what is the price that would allow you to really thrive? You need to know the, your own needs in your business, you need to know your costs, you need, you just need to know what you, what would really help you thrive, what kind of a price would help you thrive. Because then you also need to find out what is the absolute minimum price that feels good to you. You know, that below that you'd be taking a loss or that you'd be harmed in some way. This takes some work, it takes some clarity. You know, I was saying before about in the sliding scale, people were just kind of dumping all their issues around naming a price on their clients. Like we can't do that here either. Like you do have to figure that out. And then a, an optional fourth piece is if you are going to make exceptions 
to the minimum price where people can pay less than the minimum price, you need to get really clear on what those exceptions are. So for instance, we have a thriving price and a minimum price on, on one of our offers. And, um, and, and because of the way the, the offer is structured, we can provide it in this way. We also provide an exception. And our, the clarity of our exception is that if paying the minimum price would put your food or shelter at risk, or you live in an economy where it, the price is outrageous, you know, essentially the same thing, it's putting your food or shelter at risk, you can pay less than the minimum. But only that, right? It's not, oh, this feels too expensive. Oh, I, I feel uncomfortable paying that much. It's like, that's okay. If, it, if, you, if you don't want to spend your money that way, that's okay. If you have other priorities, you don't have to purchase it. But if you you know, you have to, it, like it, ha it has to be impactful at that level. And so we make it super clear to people so that it's still accessible. But people know how to make that decision. Another thing that can be really helpful is to know what other people are charging, like to let your clients know, you know, the range, like other people, the similar kind of offer, six-week class or membership or whatever it is that you're selling, in general, you can see prices from this price to that price if you look out in the world, just so people can have a sense of the range that you're in. And um, when we did it, you know, we list prices that are lower than ours and higher, you know, just so people have a sense of what that range is. Um, then... And this is kind of in crucial, this is kind of crucial is like the two next elements is to break up the decisions. One of the issues that I see a lot of clients get into in all elements of business is what I call the granny knot of a decision. And the granny knot of a decision is when you have multiple choices about different topics, but they all get tangled together. Oh my God, should I do the workshop? You know, my next workshop, should I have it in January? Should I charge $300? What should the topic be? You've got all these questions and it boils down to what do I do? And, and then if you're trying to get guidance or clarity in yourself, you can't cause there's too many questions. So, um, uh, um, and so what you're wanting to do is you're wanting to invite them to make two separate decisions. First decision is, do they want the offer? Make the decision first. Do they want the offer? And then the second decision is, what is the, what is the price? What is the price in your heart? And by breaking that up, then they can get clear rather than going, oh my God, I'm a good, you know, it's like they get tangled together and it stops um, the, um, it stops the, it stops the, their ability to find clarity in themselves. And then the final element is to make sure that the instructions for pay for the heart are not just on the sales page, but it's also on the checkout page so that they have something that they can refer to right there. So, um, what I'd like to do is I'd like to share my screen and oh my goodness, which one is it? Okay. Bloop. All right. That pay from the heart thing. So this is for our learning communities, our membership, annual membership, um, uh, where we support uh, 
business owners to develop their business. And um, you can see um, the elements. I'm going to close it up because I've got you guys are sitting on top of my screen. Um, uh, you know, it's like most simply means compassionate, flexible pricing that takes into account both your financial situation and our need to be sustainable. Both needs are present. It's not just about the client. And um, and I say, I've seen people struggle with sliding scales and pay what you want pricing, thinking they have to pay more than feels good because they want to pay their fair share. And so I share a Sufi perspective. You can only give what you've been given. Um, I name what is sustainable for us. I, you know, not pretending heart of business doesn't have needs because we do. We set a minimum contribution and we set um, the sustainable revenue, what we're really asking for, which is the 150 a month as opposed to 95. Then we have this exception, the food or shelter exception. Um, and you can see the wording there. If you live in an economy or a financial situation where spending $95 a month might mean you can't afford food or keeping a roof over your head, you are invited with an open heart to choose an amount lower than our minimum. This includes those who are living on the edge and basic quality of life would be affected. This is your situation. We're serious about welcoming you, seeing more assurance that we trust you. Otherwise, we ask you to pay at least our minimum of 95 and we invite you to pay our sustainable price of 150. Always we're balancing the needs, right? What other people charge, the one-year commitment, and how it works. First, you decide if you're going to join us. Second, then you decide how much per month. It takes a little bit of space. It's not just like listing a price. It's asking. It is asking something of people to engage with this. And, um, and you know, it's... <sighs> One of the ways that I like to think about this is that when people who have less want to get financial help, you know, it's always cheaper for people who have more money. People pay in full, sometimes often get a lower price than people who have to pay in installments. We don't do that if people are paying in installments. They pay the exact same amount as the, as the full price. And people who need a scholarship or some kind of help they have to fill out an application and go through a selection process. And that's like just that's just putting more burden on people who are already burdened. This way, we're asking everyone who comes through to put a little bit of time into the process um, to be able to get the benefit of the system. Now, when they click over into the order form, this is how we do it. Um, I assume everybody can see that when I switched forms. Okay. Um, look and see. We set the price at a dollar and we set the quantity at 150. This is how we worked around people being able to choose a price. There, it, there aren't a lot of systems. I, I, I don't personally know of a system. I think there are some out there, but I don't personally know of them where you can let the, 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 the buyer select the price. But we, we did it by selecting quantity. So, um, uh, and it doesn't mess up with the way our systems are set up on the back end. And then we have easy instructions for pay from the heart. Uh, you check in with your heart and find a monthly payment that works for you and us. Um, we name the guidelines. We, we remind them of the annual membership and the food and shelter. And we explain that the quantity is the monthly amount. And we preset it at 150 because that's what we're asking for. 
We're not being shy. And that's basically how it works. Our current membership um, uh, is um, uh, generating about five, five, low five figures a month. Um, and so it's working for us. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and stop the share. Um, happy to open it up again if people have questions. Um, so I want to just name the correction. We're about a, at about a half hour, so there'll be plenty of time for q and I want to take two more minutes and explain the correction that we had to do. Um, there were two corrections. Um, because what we were noticing is that even though we had made it an annual membership, we were um, letting people come to us and just quit whenever they wanted to, you know, out of it. We, we were in this generous place. It's like, oh, people are like, oh, I'm done or, oh, I'm having challenges or whatever, or I need to quit. And we were losing a lot of people every month. And we also had a, had a request a piece in there saying, um, if you're in financial hardship and you need to lower the price, ask us. And so people were lowering the price, but they weren't raising it again later when their situation changed. This was on us. So the corrections that we did, and we went to the community, we were really transparent about it. We explained that we were getting into financial challenges because we weren't being honest about our own needs. We were just being, we were just meeting the needs of the of the membership. And we said, here's what we need is we need you all to really look and see, you know, what this means to you. Like, we, like, you know, can you pay this? Can you shift? And we asked people to go through the process again and rethink their pricing. We also asked them to really commit and know that this was meant as an annual membership um, because we're to helping people develop businesses. It's not something where somebody's going to come in for a month or two and get everything they need. Developing a business takes time. And we, you know, we said, you know, choose a price that you can maintain for the year. And, you know, until your anniversary date, we said, we will let people quit for compassionate reasons. Like if you have a sudden death or some personal catastrophe, like talk to us, we're not going to hold you to that if you absolutely need to go. But Otherwise, we're holding you to the price and we're holding you to that and um, and to the membership. Like we're, we're holding you to the commitment so that we can keep your commitment, our commitment to you. And people responded so beautifully, so beautifully. It really made a huge difference in our flow. So I've been talking a while. I know there's some questions that have popped up. Um, yeah, I'm really curious about the questions people have and uh, impressions and yeah, anything that's up for folks. This is great. <clears throat> One thing I just want to say is like the shopping cart thing. That was so <laughs> simple and absolutely genius. Um, I love <laughs> like, because I've always kind of wondered in the times that I have played with it, the $1 and setting the amount and then they can change the $1 up or down. I mean, it's so obvious and yet so it's just not obvious whatsoever. So <laughs> for everybody out there that's like you want to do an experiment with an event or a workshop or whatever it's like doesn't matter what shopping cart you have you could do that and then you can get a setup so that was i thought that was really cool um there are a couple questions here so uh the first one Catherine asked she round said around uh your third point aren't mm -hmm. people likely to just name what you're offering as non-essential if they're in a position that it might threaten their livelihood um well 
if they are in a position where their livelihood is really fragile and your offering is non-essential, um, that sounds appropriate. Like I, like I don't, I guess I don't see the problem in that. Um, maybe, maybe I'm misunderstanding the question in some way. I don't want anyone buying something from us if they're needing to take care of their basics. Like, you know, um, uh, our, our work is important. You know, people are developing businesses they are trying to earn a livelihood, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, don't harm yourself doing it. So, you know, again, it goes back to trusting people. I trust our clients as adults to make decisions that are healthy for them and that um, we want to support the people that we can support. Did I misunderstand the question in some way or did that, did that meet what you were wondering? No, I think that kind of makes sense. It's just, I, I guess I was just a bit like, okay, but, you know, at least what I'm offering, it's it's kind of energetic healing. And so I can imagine someone who's who's living hand to mouth. And I mean, you were using the example of 95 bucks a month, which is not crazy amount, high amounts, of course. Um, if, if people are likely to sign up, if, you know, uh, if they're in that that scale where a hundred bucks a month is already putting them in jeopardy, if you see what I mean, right. that was a bit. Right. Whether, right. I was just curious, yeah. I guess, if you still have people falling in that category or not. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have a very few members that are paying under ten dollars a month, um, mm. and sometimes they're in countries where the exchange rate is just like, no, they're not going to pay a mortgage. Mm. <laughs> on my on our membership like that's not you know or whatever the equivalent is in their country um or people are just like they're just like you know a single parent who's been on you know assistance like and they're trying to get a business going it's like they're not you know like they they literally don't have 95 dollars a month that's and it's fine because the way that it's structured um if somebody really is living hand to mouth um you know, then, then, so let me say something about individual services. So I showed you this for an offer that is, you know, somewhat scalable. It's not infinitely scalable because we give a lot of care to the people in our community, but, you know, we can have two or 300 members. We've got about 200 members in there. We can, you know, we could go to three to 400 and really care for people. Um, when you're working with individual clients, you don't have that kind of scalability. You know, I carry very few individual clients and I have a little bit of pay from the heart, but it starts high and goes higher and there's no going under the minimum, you know, like I just charge what I charge. And um, it's not that I don't ever have pro bono clients, but I don't put it out there like that. So um, if you're working one on one with people and you're doing energy healing and like I get, you know, like I, I'm trained as a Sufi spiritual healer and that's an aspect of the work that I do um, is doing spiritual healing, um, which can be incredibly impactful for people and important. Um, one of the issues that, so let me say it a different way. And this may not be the, the issue for you, but you cannot solve a lack of clarity about your marketing 
or who you're trying to reach or your sales process by changing your pricing. Like you need to like get clear on who you're trying to reach, how you hold a sales process, how you enroll people, how you reach them. All of that still needs to be in place. This is just dealing with how you deal with the pricing aspect and pay from the heart. Like, and this is what I was saying before about like sometimes people would use sliding scale as a way to sidestep all the marketing the challenges with figuring out how to do marketing, figuring like, oh, people will just pay what they want. And so I won't have to do all the marketing stuff. And what they found was they got a lot of people at the bottom of the scale who were just looking for a bargain because they weren't really reaching the people who needed what they had. Does that make sense? I don't know if that speaks to you or if I missed the mark with that. Yeah, I totally get that. Thank you. It's great. Yeah. I've always felt very uncomfortable when I go to something and it's sliding scale. It's it's such a it's a weird reframing that you offer with the pay from the heart. And I love the way that you lay it out on your landing page and the checkout process. Like it, it just it really in as few words as possible, it helps to bring it home on like why this is the way that it is. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, do you have like a, a estimated percentage of like what percentage of people that you work with in your membership are on the thriving versus the minimum versus below minimum? It's a really good question. I think mm -hmm. I should have pulled these numbers up ahead of time because um, we do have those numbers. My financial uh, person, Kathy, uh, you know, keeps track of all that. Um, our average, so averages are funny, right? Yeah. Because you can have 10 people paying 90 and one person paying one, and then your average is down at 40 or whatever, you know, yeah. it's like, or however that way, you know, it throw, small numbers throw averages off. I think our average is running in the 70s. Yeah. Um, but we have quite a few people at 150 or 125 or 100 or 95. Um, we have a bunch, we have a, a, a good number of people in the eighties and seventies. Um, and then we have some people in the, like in the fifties and the thirties, you know, and then a yeah. very few people at the low end. So, um, yeah, uh, that's a really unscientific imprecise. That's, no, that, I mean, that's, that's close enough. Yeah. That, that does yeah. help. The averages do help. Um, and as mm -hmm. you said, like you have some people that are below $10, so that's going to, really bring the averages down. Uh, but right. that's, that's super helpful to, to understand that. And then the other question, um, do you have any off the top of your mind, like any other case study examples of other businesses that you've worked with uh, that have other types of offerings that you've seen it work well for them? Yeah. You know, it's funny because um, I, I don't have a lot of them because yeah. a lot of the people that we've worked with have um, have not there's not a lot of people that have want that have experimented with it you know, like at the level that we have um, and I've often seen what what I've seen happen with a lot of the with some of the with the with the with the case studies that I've seen is that people will be afraid for some reason to fully implement all the elements like they'll be afraid to like really hold 
this is, you know, like the hold the 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 minimum price. Um, they'll include a below minimum when their offer doesn't really include it, you know, um, you know, shouldn't include it. Like I was talking before, like I don't do below minimum for my individual clients because I only carry five of them. I have very few spaces for clients. And um and I've seen people kind of implement it, but you know, in incompletely. When I've seen people when I so I'm thinking of someone who implemented it. Um, you know, and most of our clients are service providers, you know, and so, yeah. you know, the, the, I mean, I, we provide all the services that they, that, you know, it's like classes, membership, you know, individual services, small groups, you know, there's not a lot of different structures that apply to services. And, um, I'm thinking that someone who, who had, implemented it had actually a pretty decent showing with it but some one of the challenges they had was they didn't have an audience large enough to get the numbers they needed mm. well, what when they're trying to do something when because they, they were including the below minimum we have a large enough audience this is something to really understand about about marketing and about these kinds of um, these kinds of offers, I really didn't want them to include a below minimum exception. And they really wanted to, they were guided in their heart. They really wanted to be helpful and they did, but the challenge was that they didn't have enough people. And so when, you know, we're dealing with 200 members and so there's enough space, you know, to handle that when you're dealing with like 15 enrollments and you have three or four people come in under the minimum and you have, you know, six, you know, eight people pay the minimum and a few people pay over the minimum, then the numbers, I mean, it was okay, but it, it wasn't, wasn't anything to write home about in terms of the financial results. Um, so I think you just you have to you have to be careful. I, one of the one of the things that I often tell people is that when a business is newer, you don't have access to the same business models that you that a more developed business will have access to. Um, uh, I'm going to use this example. I need to find a different example because um, my opinion of Elon Musk is not very high. <laughs> <laughs> but Tesla is actually a really good example of this because they wanted to get into the car, you know, producing electric cars, incredibly expensive, incredibly capital intensive, but they wanted to make it accessible to everybody. But that, where did they start? They started with extremely high, extremely expensive luxury handmade vehicles um, that helped capitalize their business and get them going. Then over the years, what we've done, we've seen them introduce cheaper and cheaper models. They've taken some of their technology and made it public domain and the charging stations. And they've moved as the, and Tesla is not doing well right now for a variety of reasons. But what they did was, is they, as the business became more successful before it fell off again, they were able to access different business models. And that was the same with us. In the beginning, I 
I um, I would not have done if I were wise. I would not have included um, the uh, allowing people to pay below the minimum because we just we didn't have the numbers to support that. Oh, you're on mute, Bradley. You're there on we mute. go. Um, there we go. Okay. Okay. I, I was gonna say that makes total <laughs> sense. Um, the way that I always like to frame things when I'm I'm gonna take a make a bold move like this. And one example I have is um, my membership that we have for the Magic Mind in one of its previous iterations. I I had this idea. It was like riding me for two years. And the idea was I'm going to do a freemium pricing model and I'm going to give away the whole membership, the weekly coaching for free. And then I would charge the premium for my one-to-one -one coaching and for all of our like boutique media and platform design services. And I had five, uh, I had five really specific benchmarks that I was going for. And so we did this experiment. I think it was six months and it failed horribly. The mm. metrics that we hit, the engagement in the community went down, even though we had, you know, like 10 times more people in the community, the engagement went down. The quality of people that were in there engaging was lower than what it was before when people were paid. Uh, the, the difference in how many people were actually like hiring us for our high-end services also didn't go up that much because it was just people that were like coming because it was free. And so it, at the end of the six months, I write this big, long, several thousand word article about like, here's all the things we learned from trying this freemium experiment. We're not doing it again. Our prices are our set to this and, and business as usual. You know, if you've been getting it for free, I'm sorry, but we're going to be letting you go and you got to come in as a paid member now. And so that was, that was a journey. And so for anybody that's like, oh, I want to try pay from the heart. I mean, going to your website, seeing how you lay it out on sales pages, how you describe it. That's a really great stepping stone to get the language right and then make it your own and then try it in a, you know, in some form of in a like limited a, form in a limited, in a limited form. form. Exactly. Like I said, the first time we did it, we did it on an eight week, nine week course, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that wasn't selling. And we were like, Oh, what are we going to try? Um, yeah. And so I with this I never want to see someone make a major change in their business until they've tested it in small ways. Yes. Um, our businesses in general, like my business, you know, I have employee, I've got payroll, I've got a few people working for me, but it's still a tiny, tiny, tiny business, and um, uh, and a lot of the people that we we support are like people are self-employed, or there's just a handful of people involved. There's not a lot of room for disasters, you know, um, financially, there's room to make, you know, like there's always room to make mistakes, hopefully, because you're going to make mistakes. We're all going to make mistakes and things aren't going to work quite the way we want, but test things out in small ways. Like if this approach speaks to you, yeah, try it with a one-off or a small thing, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just a really quick example. So this is it's not quite pay from the heart, but it is an experiment. This is a training I have starting in January and I wanted to make it more accessible. And the way I shifted my business model instead of doing client work years ago, we do partnerships. So we take a revenue share on projects that we work on. And so this training, it's the the price tags 888. If people want, they can join our magic mind, which is uh, 247 a month. So this is a five month program. Uh, or this is another one. This is a part of the experiment here is 
they can pay a $222 deposit plus 20% of the revenue that they generate from the course they're going to make in this training and that they're going to actually turn around and sell. And so, you know, this is going to be based on honor system. It's based on a model that I've already proven around rev share with our clients. And, and I have no idea if it'll work. I have no idea if anybody's going to go for that, but it's an experiment worth trying for me because this could totally change the way that I've run my online community. You know, I might end up mm -hmm. changing the magic mind from 247 a month to, you know, $50 a month plus a rev share on what you're building and launching or whatever. So that's just an, another idea, not pay from the heart. Although I am like, you know, as I always get inspired by conversations like this, I was like, oh, what is it like a micro mm -hmm. experiment that could happen for something like this? Cause it is, you just, you never know, you know, some of the, my greatest successes in business have been things that I thought up on a whim. I tried right. it as an experiment and all of a sudden it was just like, whoa, that there was some magic there. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, there was another, there was another question I thought I saw in the chat here. Catherine asks, um, how do you determine the minimum price if you're still starting out and don't know how many people might join? Uh, and then the, there's three parts to the question. Also, does it work well with more one-off events or short programs compared to subscriptions? And then finally, do you have a ch uh, have to chase more people because there's no price difference between paying full or in installments? Kind of three um, questions. Yeah. So determining minimum price. Um, you kind of have to know your financials, right? You have to know what your expenses are. You have to know what you personally need. And you have to have um, a sense of your marketing and your, um, and your audience and your enrollment. If you're new and you don't know any of those things, then you have to kind of guess. <laughs> we have a way, we support people in doing kind of, in doing a somatic heart-based resonant price exercise like what's the price that feels right in my in my heart and um that tends to be pretty successful it's not ju again just like sliding scale isn't you know like what i just explained isn't the whole exercise and it's not enough to really get there um but you you kind of have to guess and know that you may be adjusting your prices later but you know the minimum price needs to be a price that you're still happy with. It's really important that the minimum price is still a price that works because if you do end up with a good number of people paying minimum, you don't wanna end up being unhappy. <laughs> um, so, that's, so that's an important piece. Um, I don't know if it works well more. I mean, like you saw our annual membership is on pay from the heart now. Um, I think it has to really I think so much of it has to do with um, how effective you are with your marketing and sales process. You know, are you connecting with the right people? Is your offer clear? Do people really know what it is that they're getting and why they would want it and what it would do for them? You know, there's, you know, there's a lot of these basic things that need to be done with integrity, need to be heart-centered. You know, we teach all those pieces, but it's like you need to um, have those pieces in place. And then if the, if the offer works and the marketing and the sales work and you have your numbers right, pay from the heart could work in any situation, you know? Um, 
but you have, but, but it, but you have to be clear on those pieces, you know? Um, and then I don't, do I have to chase more people? I don't, maybe I don't understand that question. What do you mean by chase people? I mean, for like second and third payments, you know, like oh, this, probably when they well, join and they get the first one. But... Well, they're, they're automatic recurring payments. Okay. You know, so you we don't, just... yeah, yeah. We don't do invoicing. We don't chase mm. people to follow through. If somebody's paying in installments, it's automatic because that's, you know, mm. that would be way too much work. Yeah. And we tend to like our accounts receivable, meaning people whose credit cards failed, you know, their charges failed. Um, I just, you know, I have a financial meeting every Tuesday. Our accounts receivable. I mean, it was under $300, you know, um, which, you know, for a, a business that's running, you know, five figures a month is, you know, pretty low. So I'm, it's not been a problem for us, really. Thanks a lot. Yeah, you're welcome. And you're muted again. Uh, I'm gonna be thinking about this. I I gotta think of a an experiment to do to to try this, especially just seeing the simplicity in the shopping cart that you did. That kind of like that made that a lot easier. <laughs> I, I, I just I love doing business experiments. I mean, for me, like you go to my website there's it's just so many case studies i just i have created so much in my career i've tried so many different pricing models business models ways of doing things i mean we do have a boutique media company that we have a lot of done for you services those there's a lot less wiggle room um but for right. things that i've already built that are available uh you know it's it's just really it's it always gets me going because like you i want to I want to maximize my impact and the work that I do in the ways that are the most scalable. And yeah. Uh, yeah, this is, this is really beautiful thought provoking conversation. And for, uh, for everybody that is watching or listening to this, uh, you can get Mark's book at heartcenteredbusinessbook.com and go get coaching support from Mark and his community at heartofbusiness.com. Hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to come share these stories and share the thought process behind doing this before somebody goes out and does it. And for those of you that are watching or listening, if you do sliding scale, think about how you could apply this methodology to what you've done in the sliding scale and really like take a step back and look at and, and maybe even survey the people, like just have some conversation with people like, how do you feel about this whole sliding scale thing? Like, does this feel good or what about this, you know, play with the language around the pay from the heart. So it really feels like it's authentic to you. And, and Mark, you've been doing this for a long time. So it just, it feels so natural the way that it rolls through you. And uh, I'm sure other people that have scalable services, whether it's a subscription or something like that, that there is a way that they could apply this to their business model and, and have some great success with it. And yeah. it always starts with an experiment. Whenever I do an it experiment does. like this, I always let people know up front, I'm doing this as an experiment. It will not, I do not guarantee that this is how it's always going to be. Here's the three month experiment <laughs> and I'll let you know how it goes at the end of it. It's so beautiful. And I, you know, one of the things I like to say is that 
the majority of marketing and sales problems can be solved with honesty. If you're just straight up honest with your audience um, and uh, just, you know, even like, I mean, you saw that in the methodology, like these are our needs, like we, we got to get paid too. Um, And, uh, but I love that also the integrity of saying, you know, this is an experiment. We're going to, you know, come take advantage of it. Let's see if it works. Um, Not that the services are in question, but the way they're being delivered or the way they're being structured or the pricing or whatever is the experimental part. And it's, um, I think that's beautiful. And I love the, uh, the highlight here around the invitation to be in humble vulnerability and receiving payments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a big one. Well, um, Thank you, Mark, for your time. And we'll, we can do a round two here. And uh, for all those watching or listening to this, share a comment, ask some questions. And let's keep this conversation alive. Thank yeah. you so thank much, you, everybody. Thank, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this is great. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Making Magic Podcast with your host, Bradley T. Morris from Magic Media. If you're inspired to leverage your life's work by crafting your transformational, educational, and inspirational media, thriving online community, profitable membership, or to turn your message into a movement, then head on over to magicmedia.com, that's M-A-J-I-K, media.com, and explore what our Creators Club or partnership opportunities have to offer you and your beautiful business.